If you'll take your Bibles, you can turn to Hosea, please, chapter 3. And we're going to be in the book of Hosea, chapter 3, for the next two Sundays. So next Sunday will be on verse 5. So we're taking it slow as the, as the good Lord gives it to us. We've been watching a living prophecy. We've been watching a living prophecy unfolding before our eyes here in the book of Hosea. Hosea's wife, remember, represents Israel. God's unfaithful wife and Hosea represents the Lord who loves Israel, his unfaithful bride. And the names of their children represent different messages that God has for Israel. And last week, Hosea purchased or supplied, if you'll remember, his wife with food and money to sustain her for some time. In fact, the, the key phrase was for many days. In verse 2, he said, So I bought her to me for 15 pieces of silver, and for an omer of barley, and an half omer of barley. And now in verse 3 this morning, Hosea tells us the reason that he gave her this food and money. Verse 3, And I said unto her, Thou shalt abide for me many days. And if you haven't already, in your Bible, underscore many days. Many days. Hosea gave his wife a little over 87 gallons of barley. Y'all ever bought uh, wheat, whole wheat or anything? Bought it by the five-gallon buckets? Or how did you do it? Okay, all right. Well, I think you would agree 87 gallons is quite a bit of grain that he gave her. Uh, It'll make about 460 loaves of barley bread. And that'll last a person a pretty good while. And during that unspecified period of time, Hosea tells his wife to abide or wait for him for many days. It's like saying, okay, we're going to be separated for a time, and, uh, uh, but I'm not going to be leaving you. I'm still going to be your husband. I'm still going to be faithful to you, but we're not going to be together. We're legally bound to one another, but we're going to be living apart from one another. That's basically what he's saying. So here's the food. Here's the money that will last you for many days, and I will sustain you during those many days. Now, to a nation and a God, uh, you know, it's, it's longer, but to a man and a wife, uh, we don't have an eternal life like God does. And so the, the, uh, the many days for them, would seem like an eternity if you're separated that long. At least it would for me if I separated my wife for a year or so. That would be pretty rough. But uh, he said, I want to sustain you during those many days, but I will not be with you. And during those many days of my absence, Israel, he says, look back in your text, thou shalt not play the harlot. Now, when God led Israel out of Egypt on their way to the promised land, he brought them to Mount Sinai, and that's where he met Moses on top of the mountain. And during that time, Moses was not gone for many days. He's gone for several days, but he wasn't gone for many days. But during that time, Israel did not hear from God. They did not hear from Moses. Uh... But during that time, God sustained them nonetheless. 
And God did not speak to Israel. He spoke to Moses during that time. So after those several days had transpired, what did Israel do? Huh? They played the harlot. They got him another God, basically. Uh, did they abide for God for many days? No, they didn't abide for God for several days. Were they faithful to wait on Him and stay true to Him? No, they were not. Like an adulterous woman whose husband had been gone for many days, she cheated on God who loved her by worshiping the false gods. And uh, while he met with Moses... That's where we got the church of the golden calf. Remember that? His brother Shepherd described it. Exodus chapter 21, uh, 32, excuse me. Exodus chapter 32 verse 1 says, And the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, and the people gathered themselves to Aaron, and they said to him, Up, or get up, make us gods who shall go before us. For this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. <laughs> so a few days go by and they say, oh, well, we'll just make another God. We'll make some other idols. We'll make something that we'll give credit to that can lead us out of Egypt. That wasn't abiding for God. That was playing the harlot. Israel was unfaithful to wait for God. After several days, they said, let's make other gods. They said, uh, it, it, but the problem is this. What they should have said was, if God leaves us here another hundred years, another thousand years, we will still be true to Him. We will still trust Him, for there is no other God but God, and therefore there is no other God for us. They should have abode for Him. During World War II, soldiers used to get Dear John letters from their wives or their fiancés. The man they were, I'm sorry, the woman that uh, they were going to marry, the woman maybe they were engaged to, after they'd been gone for many days, uh, instead of abiding for them, they abandoned them. They'd get the, the goodbye letter. Sorry, dear John, I'm leaving you. <laughs> Found somebody else, got tired of waiting. And so Hosea is telling his wife, you abide for me for many days and don't play the harlot on me. Don't cheat on me. Be faithful to me while we're separated. Abide for me, look back in your text, and thou shalt not be for another man. Don't fall in love with another man. Don't go out with another man. Don't promise yourself to another man. While we're separated, I want you to remember that I love you. And I want you to continue to love me and be faithful to me. And, look back in your text, so will I also be for thee. Not only do some women leave their husbands when they're on the out gone to war, but some husbands cheat on their wives when they're gone to war. Right? Uh, we, we know that as well. They run around on them. And it takes real love and real commitment to stay true to someone while you're away from each other for a long time. If you're not grounded in your relationship, you're not grounded in your relationship with God, then after so long a time, you'll get lonely. And maybe lose interest in the person who's not there. But Hosea said, you be faithful to me for many days and I will do the same for you. Verse 4, here's why. For the children of Israel shall abide many days without a king. The children of Israel shall abide many days without a king. Now remember, Hosea is representing 
God. Who is Israel's king? God is. He says, my separation from you is a prophecy. As I am separated from you for many days, Israel shall be separated from God for many days. They shall be without a king for many days. Once again, they're acting out this living prophecy before the eyes of Israel. Hosea is sustaining his bride, but he's refraining from his bride. Because that's what God was going to do with Israel. That's what God is doing with Israel today. He's going to make sure that Israel survives as a nation. Now you think about it. You think of all the people who've tried to kill the Jews off. They baked them in ovens. They chased them all over the world. They, they, they want to blast them off the map. And has done so much as say so. But God has sustained Israel this entire time. A little, I showed the Sunday school class today where Israel was on the map. Just a little sliver of a piece of land surrounded by all their enemies. And God has still sustained them. And it's been many days. He said they'll be without a king for many days. He's going to make sure that he never forsakes Israel. He never fails to keep his covenant promises to Israel and to us. Nevertheless, for many days they shall be without a king. The book of Hosea was written in the 8th century B.C. And he is living out a prophecy of a wife who's loved by her husband, yet without her husband for many days, because the nation of Israel is about to do the same, be in that same position. And shortly after writing this prophecy, Israel was taken captive by Assyria. And within two centuries' time, Jerusalem had been taken captive by Babylon, leaving the Israelites without a king, just like God said. For many days, Israel would have no king of their own, but they would be ruled by the kings of the nations around them. They had rejected God as their ruler. Now they would be without a king in that nation, look back in your text, and without a prince. Not only would they not have a royal leader as before, but they would have no form of self-governing power. No prophet like Samuel would lead the way. They would be without a king and without a prince. And you may be thinking, but wait a second, they have a prime minister today. Now, if you'll remember, when Israel got their first king, Saul, do you remember why they wanted a king? They wanted someone to go out and fight their battles for them and to organize all that and to have troops and everything. And they, want, they wanted to be done. They wanted the army, then, but then they wanted their private lives over here, kind of like what we have. We don't all jump together and go to battle. We have a military that takes care of that. And they wanted a king to handle that business for them. And then when they got King David... You know how King David started off? He slew their enemy and delivered them from the Philistines. And King David fought battles his entire life as a king. And kept them delivered and kept them safe and kept them at peace. So the king here is a savior. It's a deliverer. It's a leader, a conqueror. And they don't have that today. The nation of Israel cannot sustain itself. 
Do you realize they're still relying on our military prowess, our military uh, helping sustain them, giving them the air defense system that they have, what they call the Iron Dome, isn't that what it's called? So they're still relying on us. They don't have someone who can come in, take charge, and deliver them from their enemies and triumph over them. They're still having to meet with other nations, petition the United Nations, hope everyone else will pitch in and give them a hand. They've been like that for many days. Not only would they be without a king, without a prince, without someone to come in like King David and, and uh, deliver them, but it says, and without a sacrifice. You see that? Without a sacrifice. They would be without a sacrifice because their temple would be destroyed as it is right now. They're still without a sacrifice. For many days, they would not be able to serve or worship their God through the temple sacrifices as they should. And not only that, but God said, look back in your text, and without an image. Without an image. Perhaps they've been prosperous in war before. When they forsook God. Perhaps when they worshipped Baal, they felt safe and secure. Now they won't even have that. Nothing will be able to conquer for them. Nothing will be able to lead them. Nothing is going to be able to set them apart from the rest of the nations and make them victorious as a nation as they once were. Even without an image, they would have no pillar or image of Baal to bow down to and pray to and uh, to deliver them as perhaps they did before. Look back in your text, and without an ephod, without an ephod, that's what the high priest wore. They wore ephods. They, they would, for many days, have no high priest to lead them. The priesthood of Israel would be cut off for many days once again as it is right now. The back of your text, and without teraphim, teraphim. Now that's different than seraphim. This is not talking about angels. This is teraphim. It's talking about idols. Idols that Israel once wrongly carried around with them and worshipped. Notice how the idolatry and the true worship are being mentioned here together in this verse. Have you noticed that? They won't have an ephod, that's God's ephod, or teraphim. They won't have a king in the line of David, that's God's king, or a prince. They won't have a sacrifice in the temple, or an image of false worship. Gomer wouldn't have Hosea for many days, neither would she have an adulterous man for many days. No one's going to lead her, she'll have to survive off the sustenance of, of her loving husband. And that's the only thing that would keep her is God's sustaining grace. That's what we're seeing here. You see the resemblance? Israel has been and will still be in this position until the latter days of this world. Israel is a spectacle for us to see and to point at and say, yep, God's word is right every time. Every sense... Ever since they were taken captive by Assyria and Babylon, Israel has had no ruler to secure her national sovereignty and power. She's had no religious power to boast of that could set her free from her enemies and guide her with divine light. My wife and I are reading through the book of Ezra 
during our devotions at night before we go to bed. And here's Ezra going back. And you may think, yeah, but they rebuilt the temple eventually. Yeah, they did. And it got destroyed again. (laughs) But you know how they rebuilt that temple? They rebuilt the temple by the help of King Artaxerxes. They rebuilt the temple by the help of the nations around them. They were sustained by these heathen kingdoms who were following God's orders, but without their own sovereignty. They lacked their sovereignty, and they have not had their sovereignty since. Even when Jesus came, they were still under the leadership of Rome. Before that, they were under the leadership of Greece and Assyria and Babylon. And still, again to this day, they are not sovereign. Not when you can have people on your temple mount, as we discussed last week, telling you what you can and can't do on your own land. They're powerless. And they've been so for many days. Israel still has to cower to their enemies. Their religion, as we saw last week, the only thing they can go to is the wailing wall. So their religion has left them wailing. Their political leaders have left them wailing. We see those two categories here. You'll be without a king. You'll be without a prince. You'll be without teraphim. You'll be without a sacrifice. You'll be without an ephod. That's your political power. That's your religious power. And their political and religious power today have left them wailing. They now live in the title of this message. I entitled this message, The Silent Years. They now live in the silent years without a prophet. Without a sign from God. They have neither king nor ruler who can set them free. They have neither ephod nor idol. Uh, Even when Israel had the temple at the time of Christ when Jesus came. Jesus told them, behold, your house is left unto you, what? Desolate. In other words, God's not in it. God's not in it. For Israel, this has been going on for many days now. It's amazing how accurate God's word is. When Hosea wrote this, Israel thought that they were doing all right on their own. They didn't need God. But their land was quickly overtaken. Hosea wasn't very popular, I'm sure, for telling Israel this way back then. But Hosea was very right. Israel is still a nation. God has given them their food and money to sustain them. But Israel is still living alone. She's still waiting on her deliverer, her husband to come. Who's her king? God. Who's her priest? What would she be without? King? As far as the the true religion, king? A priest? Uh, excuse me, a, a sacrifice, an ephod. And so right now, that's what she, she has. Because she doesn't have God. They're lost. They're, unfortunately, they're, they're on their way to hell, not believing in Christ. They have neither of those things. And nothing else can take God's place. So here they are stuck in the silent years. The many days. You remember when God used to speak to them? He spoke to them through Noah. 
Noah preached for a long time. He spoke to them through Moses. He spoke to them through prophets. Remember Moses led them out of Egypt? Remember uh, all the victory Moses had? Remember when Joshua came after Moses? And in victory he led them in God's word. He led them into the promised land and they conquered their enemy. And there was Samuel. There was David. David still writing prophecies. Even in his time he wrote the majority of the Psalms. Then there's Solomon. And Solomon wrote the Proverbs. Still, God speaking to Israel through their kings. And then as you know, the nation of Israel's history, after Solomon, what happens? They split. They get divided because of sin. Because of rebellion against God. And that started the downward spiral to bring the need for Hosea to come and warn Israel and tell them what's going to happen along with the other prophets. And it happened just like Hosea said. And then the last prophet spoke. And it was done. Until Christ came. And they rejected Him. And so now, we're left with the Word of God. And because they reject the Word of God, complete silence. They're in darkness. They have no word. No priest, no prophet, no sacrifice. Nothing to set them right with God for many days. But God willing, next Sunday when we come in here and we get into the last verse of this chapter, we're going to see that after many days, that's going to come to an end. Let's go ahead and close our Bibles. We'll close with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we wait. We've been waiting on you for many days. Thank God, Lord, we have a priest. Thank God we have a king. Thank God we have an ephod in Jesus. We have a sacrifice. But Lord, your people Israel are still abiding for many days. Lord, you've sustained them. We're so grateful that they're still a nation. We love the nation of Israel, your people. When we see them, Lord God, we see the descendants of the Bible heroes that we love, like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Joshua, David, Solomon. Lord, we see those people, Lord, their descendants. And Father, Lord, we thank you that you have promised them, Lord, even though they have been in such difficult, perilous circumstances, you made your solemn promise, Lord, that you would sustain them. You've given them barley. You've given them uh, money and food, so to speak. And Lord, we look forward to the time. You didn't say for all days. You didn't say for eternity. You didn't say for endless days. Lord, you said for many days. And Lord, we thank you that those many days are running out. And one day, the day will come when they will have their ephod. They will have their priest. And they will have their king. 
because they have your son. We pray, Father, for that day to come soon. In Jesus' wonderful name.